Welcome to it. Welcome to it. It is, uh, what the time is this? 12 o'clock. I want to tell you, Celine, before I even do this full intro, Celine, make sure that the, uh, that we're on the Westgate's Wi-Fi and not the, or the Superbook's Wi-Fi, excuse me, and not the Westgate's. And, um, Twitch should be perfectly fine. We're not going to have this theme song starting twice, but again, guys, it's 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, so you guys know what time it is. It is time for Talk That Talk. I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson, in studio with our Florida man fact checker, our show producer, show producer, Mr. Salim Dweck. Uh, you tweeted about it earlier. You said 13 work days in a, blah. 13 out of the last 14 days for you have been work days. Yeah. We thank you. <laughs> we thank you for it. We thank you for being here. We thank you for continuing to follow through. <laughs> so we got this Sunday episode, and you're back with us. We're here in the clubhouse. We got TVs on. We got the Raiders on. We got the Aces on. We got your Dolphins on. Celine, how can this day get better? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Um, We're going to talk about UNLV later. Can you not rush the topics, please? Um, <laughs> how was your week, man? Talk to me. We got about a minute and a half. Talk to me. Uh, my week was trash, bro. Um, That's not good. Well, I spent every, like, single working moment, like, either working or sleeping. No in-between time? No, I worked seven straight days overnight. Is that legal? They break labor. It's so funny. They break labor laws all the time. Your job or Nevada? Because I think Nevada breaks labor laws. My job breaks labor laws constantly. Like, if you work an eight-hour shift in the state of Nevada and in the United States as a whole, you're entitled to 30-minute lunch and right. two 10-minute breaks. I think they're 15s. Two fi- Do you know what I get on eight-hour on eight hour shifts? A when 30, maybe? Nothing. Unless... Wait, 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 wait. What? Unless there is someone else at the desk, which is, like, only half the time, unless there's another front desk person, you don't get a lunch. So when I work these overnights, I don't get a lunch. I'm going to keep my opinions to myself, and I'm going to move on to my mom's tip in. Does that sound good to you? Yeah. <laughs> Before we do that, let me let you guys know that Talk That Talk, the Talk That Talk radio show, records twice weekly from the beautiful Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino from the largest Superbook in the world for over 50 years. This hotel was the largest in the world for nearly a decade. If you guys want to come visit us, want to come visit Ray Cools, want to come visit Jay Cornegay, please come do so at 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. Once again, that address is 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. Let's get to it. I'm excited, man. Can you tell? Yeah, man. That's good, though. We need I'm in one of those moves, man. This weekend has been really, it's been a really good weekend. Well, that's good. I'm glad it has been for one of us. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. I don't know why I let the pause, like, waiting for you to say something. But my mom has a tip-in. And, again, these are her tip-ins from last Wednesday. She sent me a bunch of them. And I just loved all of them, so I told her to just hold off for a little bit. This one says, you know my name, not my story. You heard what I've done, not what I've been through. Yeah, no, we – everybody – here's the thing. Whenever something bad happens and you tell people why it happened and why you can't do something or why, like, oh, excuses, it's reality. Yeah. Reality, you know, excuses, it's like telling, like, at a certain point, it's like telling somebody, damn, you're four foot five and you're not in the NBA? <laughs> excuses. 
It's like, bro, it's reality. It's like, well, what did you want me to do? Like, grow two feet? Two full feet? It's just they want something impossible. Like, physically impossible. Hmm. You know what the funny part? I didn't expect to do this. Actually, we'll start here. As always, what we always do on our Sunday shows, we're going to let you guys know what's going on in the world of football. And we're going to do so by starting with the home team. And, of course, we're talking about the Las Vegas Raiders. They're in Pittsburgh currently. They are up 16-7 on the Pittsburgh Steelers with less than three minutes to go in the third quarter. Salim, the Buffalo Bills just added seven against your team, 21-0. Get well soon, Tua. Talk, now, let's talk about it. Did you see what happened with Tua? I did not. Now, A.J. Epinesa. He's a, did Tua I, have a welcome to the NFL moment last year? Yeah, he got hit. A, he got hit a few times, uh, but he definitely got hit because didn't he? He was he was kind of. I don't think he missed games, but he was injured last year, wasn't he? I mean, he was coming off the uh, the, the hip hit. injury, and so they were super conservative with him, right? In terms of like, if he got hit and he looked, they were like, "Nah, we're not doing this. right." That's what I was worried about today when I seen him go down and I seen him gimping, uh, gimpy and kind of limping to the sideline. That's the first thing I thought about. I worried about the hip, and I wondered about how many times, if at all, he can take a defensive lineman laying on him. So um, they said that it was a bruised rib. We'll see how long. Um, to, as we said before, I've had a bruised rib before, never from an NFL play like that. But bruised ribs affect everything. Oh, and a lot yeah. of people don't realize that. You can't stand up straight. You can't breathe properly. You can't, you can't walk. Your arms, like. you can, oh, no. Stretching is a, it's a chore. Like, you try to avoid stretching. <laughs> like, it's like, I don't want these problems. I don't want these issues. So, that's what you, you can't sleep. It's a lot of stuff that goes wrong when a, when a uh, rib is bruised. But we uh, some other games that are actually going on, you want to know, and I say you because I'm talking to Salim Dweck here, you want to know what's going on in East Rutherford, New Jersey, and why Robert Sala and his New York Jets are down 19-3 to the New England Patriots. Does it mean anything if I told you Bill Belichick and rookie quarterbacks? That's true. Yeah. Zach Wilson was three for seven for 45 yards in the first half. Three of his four incompletions were interceptions. He has four interceptions right now. He has thrown another one. Two to J.C. Jackson, apparently. Devin McCourty, Phillips. By the way, and this is not for anybody to really care about outside of maybe me and extreme gamers, Devin McCourty might be the toughest defender Oh, tough, toughest secondary defender on Madden. You can't get anything past Devin McCourty. You know, I haven't played Madden in years, but I believe it. It's like no, it's it's to the point to where I I wish that they would lower his rating. <laughs> like something has to change. Nothing gets past Devin McCourty. He has two tackles and he's an X factor. Yo, what's it's, going on with the Saints? Let's talk about it. Um, so what? we just gave you guys an update on the New York uh, Jets, and that game actually just had a change in the score already. Or um, as we were speaking. The Patriots went ahead and added three more points to that lead, so now they're up 22-3 to on the New York Jets. Sorry, Salim. My nose is uh, bothering me. Allergies. So, you want to give us a score of that Saints game? Because it's not on the um, TV in here because we do have the aces on. Uh, 17-0 Panthers. That was the last place that I had looked at the score. 
Let's just talk about it, man. I believe Sam Darnold had 200-plus yards. I think 240. He's 20 for 27, 245 yards, two TDs with three minutes left in the third. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to tell you what his first half looked like, but it's looking like his entire game may look like this. I said this before. I said that as long as Adam Gase is the coach of any team, you can't tell me that anybody playing under him is bad at football. I need to see them with somebody else. That's true. Same thing with Jeff Fisher. Same thing with some other coaches around the league, right? Hey, Jeff Fisher is a snake oil salesman, <laughs> man. I've told you this before, too. I think this is the Sam Darnold revenge tour. I don't know how many games they win this year, but I think we're talking about Sam Darnold differently after this year. I, I hope so, man. And, uh, you know, he seems like a really nice guy. You know. USC product. USC product. Maybe that matters. Speaking of that, let's get into some other football. Um, you want to go through the scores really quick? Let's go through them. Okay. Bears are up 10-3 on the Bengals with 14 left in the fourth quarter. Cleveland's up 24-14 on Houston with two minutes left in the third. Can I chime in for one second with the Cleveland and Houston game? Mm. Tyrod Taylor started that game. First of all, I believe they were up 14 uh Seven on the um, on the Browns. I don't know why I went blank. Oh, on the wow. Browns. However, Tyrod Taylor started this game 10 for 10, 125 yards and a touchdown. Oh, yeah, I'm seeing that, yeah. Continue. Did, what happened when he got hurt? No, that's just the way he started the game. So it's I just one of those things to where you know how it, it happens every NFL season. We didn't expect two weeks into the season for the Carolina Panthers to be 2-0. That's probably where they're headed. We didn't expect for Houston to be 2-0. That's probably where they're headed. Well, Houston's down 24-14 now. True. But um, I saw Davis Mills has five uh, pass attempts. Maybe Tyrod. Maybe something happened with Tyrod. We're looking in the clubhouse as we speak. Davis Mills, sure, sure enough, is in shotgun that's right him. now. Yeah, that's, that is number 10. That is number 10. Um, Houston... I'll be honest with you, man. This is going to be interesting. Even if Houston doesn't win this game, they have a lot to still be proud about two weeks into the season. Oh, I think so. What other games do we have to get to? I know the Rams are up 17 to 14 17 on the Indianapolis Colts as the third quarter winds down. It looks like your Teddy Bridgewater prediction is looking very good. I'm trying. They're up 17 7 on the Jaguars. Teddy's 11, I mean, 21 for 27, 293 yards and two touchdowns, zero God. interceptions. Oh, my gosh. And hey. Teddy is one of those people that doesn't turn the ball over. Hey, you want to know Cortland Sutton's numbers right now? I do. Eight receptions, 153 yards, not even at the fourth quarter yet. Does Trevor Lawrence have 153 yards passing? Trevor Lawrence is 11 for 25 with 93 yards, one touchdown pass and one interception. Okay. I will say this. The fact that Urban Meyer had about a 7-3 lead with about four minutes to go in the first half scared me. Because I said, is Urban Meyer going to get a win in week two? I don't think he's – I don't know when Urban Meyer's going to get a win. I do think he'll get one. I just don't know when. I think it'll happen. Do you think it'll happen? Hey, man. You're not losing 17 games your first year, right? All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Oh, you got any other way. morning games? Uh, yeah, so Dolphins down 21 nothing to the Bills. I'm just going to tell you guys right now, no disrespect to Jacoby Brissett. He's a solid quarterback. He seemed, From the interviews I've watched, he seems like a cool guy. 
I ain't watching the dog. I, I'm not watching it, bro. I've had enough abuse. <laughs> uh, Jalen Waddle looks good, though. He does. He does. That's the he, only took a, he took a hit earlier pretty high, and I thought something was was going to be wrong. But um, got up, did a little flexing. Hey, he's tough, man. And carried on with his business. In the preseason, everybody thought he hurt his ankle or, like, hurt. And he got right back up, and he started, like – and the coaches were like, no, it's the preseason. Like, you're okay, but get out of the game. He wouldn't come out of the game. I can't remember which running back it was. It was a Hall of Fame running back who said that it didn't matter when he got – or if he got hit hard or got hit soft. He took his time getting up just to let the defense – just so the defense couldn't pinpoint when they hurt him. I like that. I thought it was amazing. Um, and I think the idea, too, most people would think just to pop up after every hit. I like the argument of laying down after every hit because the softest hit, if he's a little hesitant to get up, it's like – Fam. Niners up 7-3 on the Eagles. That game has been weird. So, like I said before, I did get here before 10 o'clock. So, I, we set up here in the clubhouse, and we were kind of just watching everything. I'll be honest, man. This game has been pretty weird. The um, Eagles have had a touchdown taken away. The Eagles, in addition to that, I believe from the two- or three-yard line, maybe, Nick Sirianni, first-year head coach Nick Sirianni, um, ran a triple option. And essentially ran the Philly special the same way that Nick Foles did in the Super Bowl. The the 49ers covered it well. Jalen Hurts was was covered in the back of the end zone. Greg Ward had to loft it out the back of the end zone. Two big moments for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. If they go on to lose this game, many people would have them up 17-7 to in their head. Um, do we have anything else for Raiders morning Raiders are up 16-7 to on the Steelers. I don't know if I said this last week officially. What? I don't think I said it officially, but I said the the Steelers are a quarterback away from being very good. I don't think I don't think you said that, but we talked about it before in terms of uh shout out to Taylor Lane, my uh, my my friend TNT. I've said this plenty of times. Now, I think being a Pittsburgh and a Boston Celtic fan, being a Pittsburgh Steelers and a Boston Celtic fan, it's you can imagine the conversation. I'm that not I gonna lie, that. like even though I'm a Dolphins fan and like I I've grown a long-standing hatred for the Patriots. I would still be, like, I wouldn't be a friend of, like, I, I deadass would not be, a, like, if you're a Celtics fan and a Steelers it's fan. It's hard. It's I difficult. wouldn't be your friend. You want to know something interesting about Taylor? <laughs> Taylor knows Taekwon, who is 2K1G, who does our theme song. Can you guess Taekwon's favorite NFL team and basketball team? In basketball? We'll move on. The Take Celtics? a wild guess. Celtics? It's the same pairing. Whenever I get around those two, Salim, you would you would lose it. You would jump from a window. I think <laughs> it's, the, honest, it's the worst. Being a Dolphins fan and a Heat fan, the city of Bo like the Celtics and the Patriots, I, I firmly believe that the fans of those teams are not fully human. Like, I feel that way about the Patriots. They, maybe they have I don't know more about the Neanderthal Celtics. blood. I take that back. You're right. All of Boston, maybe. I, I All of Boston. I don't like the city of Boston. I don't like their people. <laughs> I I don't like anything about it. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say something about Mark Wahlberg, and I was going to throw you the alley-oop, and I'm going to not do it, actually. Because I Mark, know what you're going to say. Marky Mark has is a wild boy. Yeah, to say the least. He's got more like, you know it's bad when you go on someone's Wikipedia page and there's an entire section of like. Uh, Essentially hate crime? Yeah. 
You got you got a section for hate crimes? You know it's bad. The thing is, too. No, we're not getting into that. We're not getting into that. We're not getting into that. What we are going to do is oh, continue to get into. Oh, my God. It's not even local news yet because we're not going to give you guys the full breakdown on the Aces, but we do have the Aces on the screen in the clubhouse here at Westgate. Again, you can come visit us at 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. But last regular season home – or excuse me, last regular season game of the year for the Las Vegas Aces. They're actually in Phoenix, and they're down 22-17 to as the first quarter is winding down. Shout-out to Duna, Duna who has this game, and shout-out to Mr. Sure Thing, Tyler Sure, who has the Raider game. We appreciate you guys. Me and Salim are going to try to hold down the show. Hoop, Bash Ali, what's the deal? We just want to say hi to everybody, gang. Um, but as we always do, we're going to start with some football on this Sunday. Salim, but it's not the NFL. Is that cool with you? So, at the hotel last night? Yes. We were flooded with Iowa State fans. No, I'm not letting you do it. We're talking about another letdown here in Las Vegas by a football team, and we're not talking about UNLV. Are you ready for it? Sure. Now, Salim, I don't know if you've heard about this. You know about the school called Bishop Gorman? I do, unfortunately. They're pretty good at sports, right? Football particularly, yeah? Yeah, I mean, they... The guys, those guys, uh, players at that school make more money than me. <laughs> I put $20 in that damn Camaro every week. Oh, my gosh. Who can control you? Hey, if this you're is 16 what years old and you're like a starter at Bishop Garmin. You're starting least, linebacker. You're at least pulling 55K a year. I have something to say and I'm going to They've been in go. your parents' pockets since you were like five. <laughs> well, regardless of that. You're paying somebody to play good football for you. And it typically works in Bishop Gorman's favor, right? What if I told you that Bishop Gorman was up 17 points? Yes, that's 1-7. They were up 24-7 to with 70 seconds left against Hamilton High School from Arizona. Would you like to know how this ended up? Sure. You ready for this? So they, they started off what? They're up 17. They're up 24 to 7. 24 to 7. With 70 seconds left. 70. So a minute and 10 seconds. Up 24 to 7. With a minute and 10 seconds left. A minute and 10 seconds left yes. in a football game. And Hamilton High School was in the red zone, and they knock home a field goal. So I believe we're at 107, and they're down 14. The rest of the game goes as follows. Onside kick recovered by Hamilton. Touchdown by Hamilton. Was it a Hail Mary or? No. They, they, they chopped the field. They chopped their way down the field. So you get the onside kick, and now the next, next argument or next goal, I should say, and an attention point would be the end zone. They find the end zone. And then you have to – most teams don't secure one onside kick during the season. Yeah, no, it's let alone two in a game on back to back kickoffs. I don't know the high school rules, but I know in the NFL, getting an onside kick at this point is almost like impossible. The it's rules that almost they, impossible. Honestly, I think they should just like change the rules back to you know. I hate to say it, Salim. I don't. You want to know why? I believe Mike Vabel, Mike Vrabel in Tennessee did it. Their kicker, and this might have been last year, they didn't put the ball directly on the tee. 
they laid the ball sideways, like on his side. I like that. So it, it forces teams to get creative. Like I, we do this in practice to where the point to where I know if I kick the ball here, it's going to bounce this way. So I kind of like the argument behind it, uh, or at least the idea behind it. So not only do they get that onside kick and they get that touchdown, so now they're down 24 to 17. They line up for the onside kick. They recover that one as well, Salim. Here's the weird part. They get another touchdown. Now, Salim, if I'm down 24 to 23, and I just made this miraculous comeback in nearly 70 seconds, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to line up for two. And what if I told you that Hamilton High School beat Bishop Gorman 25 to 24 Friday night? You know what? If that were to happen, like everybody's fired before they get to before they get on the plane. The coaches are fired. I'm every player there is getting a pay cut. <laughs> I don't think you could say that. It might be true, but I don't think you could say that. So, damn, Bears up seventeen three on the Bengals. Joe Burrow threw another interception. Salim. I didn't see your picks. I don't know if you picked the Bears. Would you like to know my picks right now? All right, Chase Claypool. That's a fantasy move. Um, Chase Claypool is no joke. Now, Celine, you just asked me about my picks. I'm going to try to remember every game that's on right now. I picked the Raiders. I picked Buffalo. I picked the Bears. I picked the Rams. I picked the Patriots. I picked the Broncos. I picked the Browns. I picked the Eagles, I believe. So I only look bad in one of these games so far. I oh wait a minute, I had the Saints. <laughs> I think I had the Saints, so I look bad in a couple of these games. But um, our picks, our uh, our, our pick'em, our picks for pick'em, we're doing pretty well. And I know this is new for us in terms of this group and and getting it together and for trying to find uh, the ways to make it work. However, did you listen to Wednesday Wednesday show by any chance? I, I didn't get a chance to yet. Okay, so I know you go back and listen to them a lot anyway. So I'm going to give you an update on the scores really quick from week one. Deal? Okay. Want me to start from the bottom or start from the top? Uh, start from the top. Start All from right. the top. In first place at 10 and 5, we got our guy Duna. Mr. Deontay Hagler is first at 10 and 5. You're second at 9 and 6. You're well, a game behind. I'm about to go really <laughs> low because this week I had everybody wrong. <laughs> and wait, wait, no, the Niners are up 13-3. They just scored. And that's a that's a bad one for me. That's not a good I one for Cleveland, me. I had Cleveland. LA now, oh, Indianapolis just took the lead on LA, 21-17. Salim, what just happened? We're in the clubhouse, and Salim's absolutely right. The start of the fourth quarter, these Colts have a 21-17 lead over the L.A. Rams. And, Salim, here's the interesting part about last week's pick'em. You and Duna are the only two over 500. I ended week one 7-8, and eight, so I'm three games behind first place. And then Tyler and Darrell are both tied for our fourth spot. These afternoon 69. games are going to be very interesting. Tonight. Very interesting. Tyler, and I'm going to get out of here, I promise you. Tyler Sure picked the Detroit Lions tonight. Against tomorrow the Packers. Night. Tomorrow, tomorrow night. night, excuse me. 
I told him in text in the text message in the group chat. Everybody's <laughs> yes. my witness. Yes. To watch your mouth. Yeah, yeah, watch your mouth. And I'm just gonna leave it at that because. Nice toss. Back. I picked Green Bay because we have to win, right? We can't lose this game. Yeah, if you lose this one, I think it's time to either trade Aaron or or sit him. Huh? Not because Aaron's not great anymore. He still is. I don't care what happened in that Saints game. At all. <laughs> I said what I said last week, and I still don't care. Because, I mean, look at what just happened with the Saints. Look at what's happened with the Saints right now. They Very looked true. unbeatable. And now in week two, they – And today running into the Darnold. Yeah. Sammy Dimes. <laughs> I like that a lot better than Danny Dimes. You well, guys are probably going to be upset in New York, it's, but who it's cares? More, it's more fitting. <laughs> so, Najee Harris is not human, by the way, guys. Pittsburgh, of course, would not miss out on that first-round running back choice out of Alabama as oh, he I finds the end zone. I him so badly, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was surprised that he dropped to where he dropped to, but whoever got him was going to be amazing. Travis Etienne is not playing this season due to injury, but – that's also another running back to mention from this uh, from this uh, class. Houston just scored. It's 24-21. The Davis Mills effect. Celine, let's talk. Let's pause on the NFL for a little bit because we do have some other stuff to get to. But obviously, we're going to keep this going um, throughout the show. So let's talk UNLV football now. Between 25 and 30 minutes, I want to probably give on, let's say 20 to 30. 20 to 30 minutes we'll give on UNLV uh, football. Now, I. Yes. Tell the story about the hotel room. I mean, about so, the hotel last night. Okay. So, so far with UNLV football, I've seen various fans of other teams come into the hotel rooting against you. Like, you know, the opposing teams traveling. Of course. Last night, we were flooded with Iowa State fans. More than the BYU-Arizona? No, not more than that, but we had a lot of Iowa State fans. It was crazy. Like, they were all wearing The reason why I asked you that is because Allegiant Stadium was full for that BYU-Arizona game. And it was close to full last night. And and obviously, you know where we're we're going to. I saw your tweet. Yes. The picture. Now, shout to, I don't want to be wrong, or who I quoted. I believe that was either Mike Gramala or it was Alex Wright. Really Shout out to both of them. I understand the tweet until I look deeper into the stands. Yes, Iowa sir. State had more fans there than UNLV. Did I see that correctly? That is an understatement. So, <sighs> last night, UNLV turned in the seventh largest crowd audience in program history. With 35,193 people in attendance, here's the awkward part. The conversation in the press box became the over-under on how many of those were Iowa State fans. Yeah, when you said 35,000, I was going to say how many of those had a Midwestern accent. (laughs) By the way, too. A lot of them didn't like a lot of the, the local radio when it was actually going on. And it was because they were obviously comparing living in Vegas compared to living in Iowa. So whatever, however it, it does kind of shape out, it, it, it hey, you know what, obviously though? is going to tell itself. Hey, you know what? I could go on a, hi, hi. how you doing? 
Okay, for sure. No worries. Um, give me one second. I'm gonna go ahead and text them for you. Okay. Yeah. No, you're all good. Oh, no, nah, you're good. You're perfectly fine. So, again, guys, sorry about the, the slight delay, but um, everything that Salim just said is absolutely right. So, the it's weird not, thing... Look, it's, so not the po- it's not the podcast, so I'm not going to go in depth. Uh-oh. But, actually, yeah, but, like, look, man, places like Iowa... Look, there's racism everywhere in America. No doubt about it. It's different in certain places. Yeah, 100%. I think anybody that tells you that it's not isn't really being factual or being true about it. Um, but anyway, that can we'll move on. Let's talk about some UNLV football. So what happened with Doug Brunfield and wait, wait, Justin wait, wait. Rogers? I don't want to go through everything. I don't want to go through everything. Um, they need you. They, them. Yes. They need you. They need you. They need you. Can you go tell them that they need him? Yeah. Tell them tell them that they're waiting for it. Please tell them. So, again, guys, sorry about that. It's a busy Sunday. Go tell them. Please go tell him, bro. Um, so, huh? Oh, yeah. Nah. Because I need them to know because they're waiting for him. That's why. So, again, guys, sorry about that. It's a lot going on here at Westgate. Clearly so much going on. So, Salim is right in terms of – Salim, I need you to tell him, though, bro. That's the only thing. I need you. They need. They need him. Um, last night was uncomfortable. That's the easiest way to say it. Because out of the 35,000, 35 plus thousand, the conversation on social media quickly shifted. And as it shifted, it it kind of migrated from 30 five plus thousand fans to try to determine how many of those fans were actually Iowa State fans. So I believe Mick Ayers or Aker, excuse me. But he tweeted and mentioned that he believed that at least 28,000 were Iowa State fans. I think that number is pretty safe to say somewhere between 27 and, oh, that's a lot, but somewhere between 27 and possibly 29,000 may have all been Cyclone fans. So, after the game, I made it a point to bring that up to head coach Marcus Arroyo. And Marcus Arroyo, the question, the exact question was, they can't control, meaning the team and the coaching staff can't control Who from the student body shows up? In addition to that, they can't control which schools travel well. And Iowa State traveled well yesterday. So well to the point to where when UNLV were announced, 
UNLV ran out to a flurry of boos. Appreciate you, my man. The guy goes. Shout out to Matt. <laughs> I had to like tra- track him down. Yeah, man. shout out to Matt. It was it was hard to kind of get in to get he in. He goes. In, uh, he goes. I don't know them to interact with him. They they're here for a for a meeting, so we're good. We don't have to say it on air, but they're here for a meeting. That's why I just wanted to let him know because I did text somebody already. He goes. So as first long as come, everybody's aware. <laughs> so as long as everybody's aware and we're solid and we're good to go. Now, okay, I was just informing the fan. I was just informing the fans that um. UNLV, like we, I think the number that we kind of hinted at was between twenty-seven and twenty-nine thousand. That was the number in the press box where we pretty much determined that might have been Iowa State fans, somewhere between twenty-seven and twenty-nine thousand. It it looked unbelievable. Now I said, even if you didn't believe that that was the case, it's UNLV being introduced to a host of booze from Allegiant Stadium. So I was just getting to the story where I asked head coach Marcus Arroyo after the game. This was the exact question. You guys can't – you guys have no say-so. You guys can't control who from the student body shows up. In addition to that, you guys can't control which schools travel well. I told him both things considered, did tonight feel like a road game? What do you say? A lot of stuff that didn't make sense to me. But I'll give you guys the real. This is what he told me. This is what he told everybody. He a lot, said. A lot of sweet lies. Are they sweet? A lot of tender lies. Might be tender. <laughs> he said that. Oh, Xavier almost picked off. Sorry, go on. Picked off who? Josh Allen again because he picked him off beforehand. Too. That would have been two for him. And you you mentioned Xavier and Howard going into the season pretty much a lot going into this year. So it doesn't surprise me that that would be uh, ten picks a staple already early in this year. Ten picks last year. Hey, man, talk about it. So I want to give you the exact quote, and maybe it can be used as that's out there now. But at this point, I just want to read it to you because why not, right? So he said he did mention that he was looking at last year as – he said that he was looking at last, let's say last year, last week, excuse me, as evidence that the team can handle the fans. And here's the exact quote. You know what? I think our guys handled it well. Oh, yeah? I don't think. <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> they handled it well. What did they handle well? Oh, we haven't told the, wor- the rest of the world in case you are unfamiliar. UNLV lost last night to Iowa State by a score of 48 to 3. Once again, that's the number fourteen state or number fourteen team in the country. So that's a it was it was something to be said. It was something to be said. The quote continues and says, "I don't think Iowa State's fans had an effect on our football team." If that's what we're saying, I thought our guys handled that. I think we prepared through the week that the Cyclones would have a lot of fans. I think last week was a good testament to our guys coming out and handling fans. Do you want me to tell you the first thing that went through my mind when I heard that? And this is Marcus Arroyo. Mark, head coach Marcus Arroyo. My takeaway from that was he thought that his guys handled that well last week. So shouldn't be an issue moving forward. True. In road games. You guys handled that last week in a hostile environment 
at number 23, Arizona State. You are back here at home in a $2 billion stadium. And you're outnumbered by Iowa State fans. Hey, man, I don't think they're getting a game this year. Those whispers are getting louder and louder as as the weeks progress. I really don't think they're getting a game this year. We're going to – since you said that, let me tell you what's happening next, and then we'll get into specifics of this game. Two row games await. Two row games await UNLV football. Now – The first one is at Fresno State. Salim, this is going to be on a short week because they play Fresno Friday. Fresno State just put up, you want to tell them what happened? Henry Ruggs, touchdown. Speed kills. Speed kills. I can only imagine what Al Davis is doing up above us right now. Oh, man. I love Al Davis. Everybody should watch that documentary on Al Davis. It's amazing. It's an great amazing man, documentary. Great man. Great man. Legend. Just win, baby. Just win, baby. And the spirit Fresno of Al Davis is like Henry Ruggs just feel like. Do you, think that, do you think if they lit the torch during UNLV games that UNLV would win? No. I think they'd be disrespectful to light the torch, too. I think that's why they don't light the torch. I truthfully do. So... Just to give you more of a more of a idea about where this is going, they're headed to Fresno State next. That's a Mountain West team that just put up 40 points on UCLA at the Rose Bowl in a winning effort. So that's who UNLV, or excuse me, that's who, yeah, that's who UNLV has next, Fresno State. And then they have a road game at UT San Antonio before returning home October 16th for a home match against Utah State. Does UNLV get any of these games? I don't know how good UT San Antonio is. I don't know who they beat week one, but they they shocked. They beat Illinois week one? They beat somebody week one, and they shocked a lot of people. I don't know if Utah State's good this year. I, I think it doesn't matter. I think Utah State's just a better program. New Mexico? That's where I'm at. Is the only, I think New Mexico and maybe UT San Antonio. Somebody actually agree with you too in terms of um in terms of uh No, nah, you're good. In terms of um What was what was the point you just made? Uh the fact that New Mexico Somebody's coming around to your point. That's what I wanted to I'm trying to remember who it was. It was Matthew Rafferty. Shout out to Matthew. He's coming along to your side. He thinks Air Air Force might be the win. Because it's the end of the year. It's always kind of up in the air, but it's at Air Force. The thing is, like, before the season, I said that to you, and then you told me that Air Force is actually pretty solid. I told him I disagree. So now I don't know. I don't know Air Force football. I just know that New Mexico and maybe UTSA, I think that Eastern Washington loss week one at home, is going to come back to haunt them in terms of, like, winning a game this year. Because every – I mean, it doesn't really matter. They're not going anywhere anyway. Like, they're not going to a bowl game. We know that, you right. know. Unless something drastically changes. Don't say that. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, all right. I, I had 
I was trying to think of an analogy for things that are impossible. Is that one? Yeah. So it would be okay. So I'm not gonna say why. Um, but let's 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 get into it really quick just to kind of break it down. Um, you guys can go and read the uh recap. The game story that is actually up on TalkThatTalkRadio.com. Once again, it is up on TalkThatTalkRadio.com. Um, chunk plays was one of the big ways that I told the story last night because chunk plays are yards of ten or plays of ten yards or more. What if I told you that there were twenty six of those chunk plays last night? Twenty three belong to the Cyclones. Wow. Sorry, team. I honestly don't know what to say about the situation aside from obviously highlighting um, the quarterback situation, Doug Brumfield did not practice this week. So by him being a freshman, was a true freshman last year, Marcus Arroyo did highlight the fact that if he was a fifth-year guy who had a bunch of playing under his belt, maybe he can go the full week without practicing and still suit up on Saturday. He didn't feel like it was fair to Doug Brumfield. He didn't feel like it was fair to the other guys either if and he he's was right. to. I think he's, oh, he's right. absolutely right. It's unfair. Yeah, you go through a whole week without practicing, especially a guy that's basically a freshman. I mean, uh, yeah. And on top of that, too, his first start. Iowa State, too. Here's stop there. Stop right there. You said playing Iowa State. They're a good team. They're a really good team. Number fourteen in the country. One of the best teams in the in the country. Now, Doug Brumfield made his first career start last week at Iowa State, or excuse me, at Arizona State. This week. With him out, I'm expecting to see Justin Rogers. What if I told you that true freshman Cameron Frill started for UNLV last night? I saw that uh, Tate Martell played a good bit, so I'm guessing that didn't work out with Cam Free. Cameron Frill, no, sir. Um, Fre- Cameron true Frill, freshman? true freshman. Oh, wow. Uh, I believe he went 8 of 13, 67 yards, did have an interception. Tate Martell, I believe, went 2 for – I don't want to be wrong, 2 for 6, 2 for 7, 27 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. There were drives where – and I I think I might even have a picture of one of the the play sequences. Um, Do I have it? I don't have it. Somebody else took it. It might have been Adam Hill, actually, who's here in the building in Westgate on the stage. Shout out to Adam Hill and ESPN. Um, UNLV had a drive where Cameron Frill came out, took the first snap. Right. Tate Martell came in for down number two, took the next snap. Cameron Frill came back in for snap number three and played third down. After the game, the quarterback rotation – Head coach Marcus Arroyo said that that was the plan all week long to go back and forth between quarterbacks, even back and forth during drives. Yeah, I'm sure that's awesome for continuity. Salim, how can any quarterback – remember how we said this before? We said this last year, and we didn't think it could get much worse. How can any quarterback get comfortable or get a rhythm – tour thing. In a dr- with a drive, how is anything supposed to get – Going and juiced after one play. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, if I make a mistake here, am I getting pulled? It's not even am I getting pulled. It's I'm I'm getting getting pulled. You know, and it makes you less likely to take risks. It affects – look, it's – either way, I mean, it's ridiculous, man. Uh, 
Marcus Arroyo is 0-9 in his first nine games here at UNLV. They and just got to fire him and get the Band-Aid off. I don't – I personally couldn't tell you which um, – I personally couldn't tell you exactly – I personally couldn't tell you exactly which direction UNLV football is going, but I do know for a fact that 0-9 in your first nine games with your new head coach isn't the way to go, and it's not a good look. I don't exactly know if they'll get a game. I'm going to hold out hope and say that they'll get a game. I'm going to guess that it's New Mexico, but – Things, we, we, we've been wrong before, obviously. I will say, just an update on some of the games that are going on. Salim, you can go ahead and pull up all the scores right now. We're going to start to wrap up the first hour, come back in the second hour, get these TVs reassessed, and go ahead and um, and go ahead and open up our second hour um, with a little more Raider talk, because obviously the Raider game will be winding down. And then, Salim, I got local news for you. I got the Aviators, I got the Aces that are on the screen right now. And then I got a little bit more basketball news for you, but it's the NBA news, all right? After that touchdown from Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs, the Raiders are now up 23-14 to 14 in the fourth quarter on the Pittsburgh Steelers with about seven minutes to go in regulation. Salim, you want to run down the rest of the uh, 10 o'clock games for me? Bears up 20-17. to 17. Burrow's got two TDs now. Okay. Three interceptions. Uh, Justin Fields threw an interception. Unfortunately, Andy Dalton has, has been gimpy a little bit. He kind of went out in the first half, but he's he's been back and forth. What other ones do we have? Twenty-four to twenty-four, Rams Colts. Okay. Twenty to seven, Denver's up on Jacksonville. Patrick Sertan Jr. picked off. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence. Patrick Sertan Jr., son of the great Miami Dolphins, Patrick Sertan. Amazing nickname. Uh, Bills are up twenty-eight nothing. It's uh, it's all bad there. San Francisco is up 17 to three at Philly's 27 yard line. Okay. New England's up 22 to six. Driving against the Jets. I see that. Uh, 17 to seven in Carolina. Sam Darnold, the Sam Darnold revenge tour continues. Time is winding down in that fourth quarter. Um, we got anything else from for one of us? Cleveland's up 31 21 on Houston. And Cleveland's up 31-21. So, as I said before, guys, we're ending this first hour a tad bit short. We're cutting it a little bit short. And that's only because we got to rework these TVs and get this, second, um, get this second hour set for you guys. Again, when we get back, we will talk some more Raiders. We'll wrap up our early 10 o'clock games. We'll prep you guys for the 1 o'clock games. And while we're doing that, we'll inform you guys on our local news. Aviators, Aces. And I got some news about the Clippers, guys. Stay tuned. Hour number two coming right up. The Talk That Talk radio show records twice weekly from the beautiful Westgate, Las Vegas Resort and Casino, from the largest superbook in the world for over 50 years. This hotel was the largest in the world for nearly a decade. If you guys want to come and visit me, Salim, Ray, Jay, anybody else that has to do with Westgate, as a matter of fact, I think ESPN is even here, guys. You guys want to come listen to us and then ESPN or vice versa, please come do it. Please come visit us at 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. Once again, that address is 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. Hour number two. Bears-Bengals has just gone final. The Bears won 20-17. Salim, that's what they cut off. Oh, okay. Remember, remember. Oh, okay, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So, me and Salim, uh, we want to, first of all, we want to apologize 
for the 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 disrupts the disruption in the first hour. Uh, There's a lot of clownery going on. It's it's Sundays at the Westgate. This is what we got to deal with, man. The funny thing is with the Westgate, we do our show from this from the clubhouse, and of course. There's floor-to-ceiling uh, windows. Uh, we interact with people as we can. But the problem with interacting with people sometimes, sometimes they think that they can ask you a question. So that's what you guys heard. We were just trying to get make sure everybody got sent to the right spot while trying to still bring you guys. Ask me questions about a timeshare. <laughs> while trying to still bring you guys the show that we know how to get, uh, how to bring you. So before we even do that, I swear, because I don't think I'm talking about UNLV football no more. Rams in the also went final. Rams won 27-24. So now we have... Point for me. The Niners and the Eagles on three TVs <laughs> and soon to be four. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Because the Patriots just closed out the New York Jets 25-6. to And that game actually... Um, or actually, these TVs are, um, get tightened up, I'm sure, as these 1 o'clock games begin to start. We're switching it up a little bit, guys. We're going to uh, wrap it up with UNLV football shortly. But I want to mention that the third quarter just started over in Phoenix. They are in the Valley, and the Phoenix Mercury have a 49-46 lead over the Las Vegas Aces. Again, this is the last regular season game of the season. Postseason starts on Thursday. I'm excited. The Aces have already clinched the second seed. They have a double bye. I'll get to that a little bit later in this first hour. But to wrap up this um, UNLV talk, I don't want you guys to think we rushed through it. But here's the reason. Oh, my gosh. Excuse me, guys. Here's the reason why we didn't give that quarterback talk many, much arm, many arms, whatever you want to say. Any legs, rather. For me... We've talked about this since Marcus Arroyo has gotten here, who his quarterback was going to be. We're nine games in, a year plus in, and we still don't have that answer. That's why I think we didn't give much credence to that conversation because, Salim, we don't know if, that, if this analysis is going to change next week or the week after that or when they return home for Utah State on October 16th. Doug Brumfield looks good, but, again, only so much that can be kind of taken from it when you're dealing with the freshman who is looking over his shoulder. And even before him, you had a junior in Justin Rogers who was looking over his shoulder. Now, you may bring in Tate Martell from Ohio State and Miami, and he still may have to look over his shoulder. When there's really one guy specifically that needs to be looking over his shoulder or should be looking over his shoulder if this was a meritocracy. Hmm. Do you think, or actually, let me guess. Is that person the head coach? Yes. By the way, I seen Eric Harper yesterday, acting athletic director. We did not talk about Marcus Arroyo. I'll leave it at that. So... (laughs) If you guys saw us talking after the press conference, walking uh, on the event level of Allegiant Stadium, that was not what that conversation was about. Shout out to to E. Harper, though, for sure. Um, The Raiders are up 
23 to 17 with less than two minutes to go. Anytime that you hear this Westgate building, well, Westgate roof blow off, it probably means the Raiders did something. So you might hear the roof blow off in a little less than two minutes because that would mean that the Raiders have started back-to-back years 2-0. Would it be back-to-back-to-back? I don't know what it was three years ago. We'll see. But did you see the NFL countdown team this morning? And this is somewhat of a that's out there now. Did you see their experiment with the Lombardi Trophy this morning? No. By the way, being a Packer fan, I always feared Randy Moss holding a Lombardi Trophy in Minnesota. To see Randy Moss hold the Lombardi Trophy in a suit made me more upset than if he would have did it in a uniform. Yeah. That's somebody who there's no way that man should not have a ring. Now, To get to the point of it, what if I told you that they threw that Lombardi trophy in the East River? Do you have any idea why I'm telling you that, Celine? Do you have any idea why you should care about that, Celine? Think of a reason. I don't even think I don't even think you could, honestly. Celine, what if I told you that that heavy trophy floats? It floats. It floats. Celine, where did my brain go? Where did it go? I'm going to have fun with this one. So rest in peace to the gentleman who created the Lombardi Trophy. Rest in peace. Remember our first episode here, February 10th. We spoke about the daughter of that architect coming out and saying that Tom Brady disrespected the Lombardi Trophy by throwing it from boat to boat. Your trophy floats. We didn't care in February. We really don't care now. Yeah. If Do you think, and this is the funny part, do you think that everybody else in the world was worried about that, that trophy hitting the water except for Tom Brady? I bet you Brady knew it floated. Brady did know it. Yeah. Brady knew it floated. I promise you Brady knew it floated. Brady probably lets his kids bathe with Lombardi trophies. <laughs> I don't understand. You're hearing claps around the, the clubhouse. You're hearing claps around Westgate, around all of the Superbook. Celine, look at that line. Celine, tell me what that line looks like. Matter of fact, if you can't tell me what it looks like, tell me what it smells like. It smells like money, Celine. The Raiders just kicked the field goal. They're now up 26 to 17 with 20 seconds to go. And I'm looking at people line up. It's looking like the Raiders just won a lot of people in this Super Bowl some money. That's what it's looking like. So what, other, yeah. what other games we got Seems wrapping like up from this gonna, morning? That's all right. With gambling, they'll piss it away and lose just as much. Ve- oh, I heard a great phrase last night at the, at the hotel. Vegas wasn't built on winners. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Make you never want to gamble again, actually, when you hear that out loud. Vegas wasn't built on winners. It's going to catch up. <laughs> it always wins. The house always wins. It never fails. Um, you want to run, run down the, the... You can win a battle or two. You ain't going to win the war. <laughs> uh, and that's the worst part, because a battle or two is a hand or two. Um, go ahead and give us the rest of the 10 o'clock games before we get into these 1 o'clock games, which are already starting. Okay. 
Uh, Minnesota's already up 6 nothing on Arizona. I'm assuming it'll be 7 nothing. Uh, extra point pending, and I'm watching it. 7 nothing extra, now. Extra point good. Speaking of Tom Brady, he actually just tipped off or kicked off almost tipped off as if it's basketball. Kicked off at home. They are hosting the Atlanta Falcons. Hey, you know what? I'm look I'm really looking forward to that Cowboys Chargers game. It's gonna be amazing. I think that's gonna be a real good game. Chad Johnson called it an aerial assault. And I'm I believe him. And I think Justin Herbert will get the better of him because the Detroit or because the Dallas defense is probably non existent now. Considering what they're what they're going through. Uh, can you give uh, the scores from the 10 o'clock games in case anybody missed it? Uh, Broncos won 23-13. The Raiders, you just said. Uh, the Dolphins. Hey, man, the Dolphins offensive line is going to get people really hurt this year. At a certain point, play with some pride. It's, the Dolphins have had a bad old line for 20 years now. Hmm. It's really amazing that the, the coaches just have not been able. Regardless, they're going to – they got two of hurt. Jacoby Brissett just took a brutal hit, a late hit by number sixty-one, Zimmer. It's a dumb. That's a. <laughs> that's a dumb jersey uh, for a defensive lineman. Sixty-one. <laughs> Even though I think I always remember John Gruden said on Hard Knocks when there was an offensive. I forget who it was. He was wearing number sixty-one. He's like, man, that's a dumb jersey. Let's get him another jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree. And I agree. What other games we got? Uh, oh, scores we got. I should say. Panthers easily took care of the Saints, 26 to 7. There's 29 seconds left there. What the? Uh, doo -doo. Tampa's already up seven. We said the the Patriots 25 to 6 over the New York Jets. Yeah. Uh, doo -doo. Cleveland. Cleveland won 31-21. Chicago won 20 to 17. The Rams beat the Colts 27 to 24. And San Francisco did beat the Eagles 17-11. to 11. That is an ugly score. It's a really weird score. Why does that 17 – every time I see stuff like that, 17-11, I think of, like, Yankees and Red Sox. Yeah, yeah that's like a really uh, – at least I picked that one right. I got the Raiders game wrong. I got the Bears game wrong. <laughs> the Dolphins game I knew we were going to lose. I just didn't want to pick against my team. I think that was us in week one. Yeah. Or that was me in week one. I wanted to pick the Saints – I just wasn't going to do it. I wasn't betting against Aaron Rodgers in week one. I wasn't doing it. Tampa um, Bay already got a touchdown, by the way. Gronk. Gronk is the man. I do believe I just saw Gronk cross the goal line. Salim already kind of alluded to it. 7 nothing, Tampa over the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Salim, I got some local news for you. You ready? Yeah. I got some local news for you. I want to give you an update on the Aviators, which actually just threw first pitch maybe about five minutes ago. In Sacramento, Salim, the Aviators have lost back-to-back -back games in Sacramento after taking the series opener. That means they've lost six of their last eight. They are 61-56, and 56. still third place in the Western Division of the AAA West. You want to know what these standings look like? No? <laughs> Maybe the Aviators don't either. Unfortunately... While the Aviators continue to lose, the people that the Aviators are sitting behind continue to win. The Aviators are seven full games behind Reno for the second spot in the Western Division of the AAA West. More than that, they are 11 games out of first place with 13 games left to play. Salim, give me a percentage on the Aviators' chances. 
Matter of fact, maybe don't. I don't know, man. I have no idea. It, you know what's weird? Remember how we said when the Aviators were on their winning streak that that's technically where the regular season was originally supposed to end? Now that the now that it continues and you add these extra games and the Aviators are unlike their last season where they picked it up toward the end of the season, they're doing the exact opposite this year. I don't even know if there's much analysis even to kind of break down and looking at that. You add games because it's not going to be a full playoff bracket. You're going to get your championship series. So if the playoffs or yeah, if the playoffs were to begin or the season were to end or when it was originally supposed to, Vegas wouldn't have been in it either anyway. But their offseason may have been a little different than if they head into the offseason losing like this, correct? Yeah, I'm with you there. The Oakland A's have proven a shot to Grady Fuson, who was very candid with us earlier this season in terms of trading Jesus Lusardo, in terms of trading a lot of the people. Allergies and um, hiccups are bothering me today. He has let it be known, and I've seen him again in one of the games and we spoke about it. They are in a win-now mentality. You look at what Starlin Marte is doing, and he's bolstered this club. Does it result in a World Series championship? We don't know. But if it does, I know Grady, Don Logan, Billy Bean, everybody else in that organization will be worth it, would have said it was worth it. I don't think anybody's questioning that, but I think the interesting part is is when the minor league team has essentially been decimated over the past couple of years, three years, even including the year last year where nobody played. I think, and I think, I think, there may be one more year of all-out – I'm, I'm telling you, I've been around some b baseball brains – these brains in the Oakland A's brass are a little different. And what I mean by that is I think that they will go all in for one more year. If it doesn't produce a World Series championship this year or next year, I think they're going to go right back to building that farm system. Yeah, I think you're right. As a matter of fact, didn't Grady tell us that? That in a couple of years, which was amazing to us, but he said if they don't win now, in a couple of years, they have big decisions to make about Matt Olson and Matt Chapman, who are arguably the two best players in Oakland right now. So he has already kind of alluded to what we just said. If they don't produce a championship in the next year or two, they may be retooling the long way. Shout out to Billy Bean. Amazing. Moneyball. Moneyball. The interesting part is Moneyball was downplayed for so long because, oh, it's baseball, it's baseball, it's baseball, it's baseball. Until you look at sports now and everybody wants to find their Billy Bean. 
Everybody, yeah. Everybody, every sport, everybody. You're you're the soccer guy. Is it is soccer a big analytic sport? It's becoming it. How? Like, how does that work? You know, I'm not the biggest soccer guy. In terms of, uh, I know in terms of training and how teams prepare for games, it's much more in depth, and it's uh, we ha- we have websites like Total Football. And there's another one I can't remember, but it really goes in depth in terms of the advanced stats are evolving. Advanced stats. Hmm. In terms of passes, not only completed, but like just the distance, especially now, like the distance people cover in certain areas. Like and you guys may not care, but I am going to ask Salim a follow-up question, only because I'm, I'm actually kind of interested. Uh, has it already – has analytics already reared its ugly head in transactions? Because remember, Billy Bean was making a lot of, like... I don't think so. No, not yet, not yet. How I long before so. it does it, in your opinion? The thing is, is, like, because soccer's worldwide and you have so many different leagues, it'll probably happen in, in different leagues at different times. Mm. The most advanced leagues, like the Premier League in England and La Liga in Spain, will probably get on it sooner than other teams. What was the first one? The Premier League. Okay. In England and then La Liga in Spain. Those being the two biggest, I think they'll get on the analytic wave, and they already have sooner than maybe the Russian league or the Italian league. Okay. But it's it's interesting because with soccer, I mean, we've for for a while we've had stats on how how much a player runs a game, like how many yeah, how much yeah. ground they cover. But now we're getting it in a certain area. Uh, we're getting it like not just in terms of passes, but more that's not about the axe like trends almost because if you're talking about a certain area trends, of the field aren't yeah. you talking about like trends almost i'm trying to th- i'm trying to remember i was reading about this uh i got to look more into it but i know advanced <laughs> stats is evolving in in soccer it's gonna be everywhere at some point it's gonna be everywhere so it's gonna be in tennis it's gonna be in golf like it's literally gonna be everywhere and i don't think it's a bad thing i'll be honest with you guys um third quarter is winding down the Las Vegas Aces are trying to steal both games on the road. They already took care of business by 33 points on Saturday, or excuse me, Friday against the Chicago Sky in Chicago. Salim, I'm going to say that one more time. The Aces won 103-70 to 70 on Friday. That was their seventh time that they've reached triple digits this season. I feel like this is a good time to let you guys know that Raquana Williams had a game-high 22 points. She was one of six players in double figures. Four came from the starting lineup. Celine, do you know that as this season concludes, Las Vegas will have seven players, seven players that would have concluded the season with double-digit scoring? That would be the first time in league history. Unless... Somebody can give me a note that I, that I overlooked. I believe that would be the first time in league history that seven players finished with double-digit scoring. We mentioned that with that win on Friday that they clinched the number two seed. It may not seem like a lot to most, but remember, the WNBA playoffs is a, playoffs is a little bit different than every other playoffs. Yeah, no, it's... It, 
It's unique, and the NBA needs to get needs to get with the program. They, they really do. It's structured very differently. The NBA really needs to do what they do. Now, if you take what the WNBA does with their top eight seeds in the league, of course, it's eight of the ten of the twelve teams. Now, if you tell the NBA to do exactly what they're doing on both sides of the bracket, every NBA playoffs would be amazing. It would be so hard to predict. I feel like I don't know about the one game though in the NBA. I don't know if I like that. I know Adam Silver likes it. I don't know if I like that in the NBA. Yeah. I, I do like the series because we've seen teams, your Miami Heat, we've seen teams go down 0-2 and, and win four straight. Well. So, yeah, Miami looked horrific in that game one. Who cares the rest of the way? They ended up winning 4-2. So One game is one game. Like, as bad as it is, as bad as uh, the game can be, yeah. it's still one game. <laughs> hey, man, you. my dad talks about the, uh, and I don't want to be wrong, I think it's Memorial Day Massacre. Where the Boston Celtics literally beat the Lakers so bad that, like my dad said, like it's, it's, it's whatever fans, whatever Laker fans were in Boston, were out of there early in the third quarter. Like this isn't even. We know that this isn't going the way that it should. So, I want to mention why this is a little different in terms of this, uh, this number two seed being clinched. This number two seed being clinched for the Las Vegas Aces means that they have a double bye. And this is what makes it so interesting to me. I wish the NBA would do it because hearing double bye is interesting because that means the Las Vegas Aces and the Connecticut Sun are already in to the third round of the playoffs. It puts a lot more emphasis on the regular season. I'll say that. So much. So much more. And no coasting there. I hate to say it, but we saw what the Clippers did this year going into the postseason, you won't have that no, if they sir. have the WNBA rules. This, what the Nuggets did this year, you won't have that. You better get with the program. The, what we saw in the eastern side of the bracket with Milwaukee and Brooklyn going back and forth, that's what we would see every year for the 6 and the 7, for and, everything. And you know what? I think eventually they'll switch to 72 games over the season and start doing that. Because I'm going to be honest. You wait, I'm sorry. You said you think they'll switch to 72 games. Yeah. Okay. okay. Eventually. Yeah, I believe you. Full-time. Uh... You know what it is, man? Like, teams, the whole, like, coasting thing, and then you get to the playoffs and you turn it on, like, uh, it's dead at this point, man. Like, And we've, it, I hate to say it, but it's been proven it doesn't work. Like, it doesn't work. I don't think it works. No, you can't. Even the times where, like, the seasons where we saw teams do it, like Miami, we thought they were going to do it in, week, in year one, and they were coasting when they hit the playoffs and was like, oh, they knew what they were doing, until you ran into a team whose foot was on the gas from October. Yeah. And it showed. Y'all came back and went back to back. But, I mean, it showed in that series. It showed that Dallas looked like the more prepared team. Yeah. I mean, you can't. Coasting doesn't work. I'm, I'm with you there. It just doesn't. And these aces haven't been able to coast too much because once they finish this game, they will be 24-8. and eight. Well, if they win. Did I say finish this game? If they win this game, it'll be 24 and 8. If they lose this game, it'll be 23 and 9. Regardless, they'll be the second seed. They'll get a double bye. Salim, we talked about this before the show started. If the Minnesota Lynx lose today, they will slide to the number four slot. That means number three is the only one that's up for grabs, right? And I haven't told you guys who would slide into that spot. Currently, the Seattle Storm, the defending champion, Seattle Storm, are fourth right now. If the Minnesota Lynx were to lose, Seattle would slide into that third slot. Assuming that all of the higher seeds win, 
in rounds one and two, that would mean that the Aces' first series in the postseason would be a rematch of last year's WNBA Finals in which they were swept. Salim, do they want that? Do they want Seattle first? I don't know. I don't think they do. I don't think they want Seattle. I want to avoid Seattle. The crazy thing is about this year, other teams have proven that Seattle's beatable. Hell, the Aces have even proven that Seattle's beatable. But here's the deal about Seattle. Everything we just said about coasting and cruising, <laughs> if you never wanted to believe that it was somewhat true, you could look at Brianna Stewart. And I've said it before. It looks like she walks into 20 points. I've said this before, and Sam Gordon made a very good point. I've said that I've gone back and forth for the longest trying to figure out Elena Deladon and Brianna Stewart, their games remind me of Kevin Durant's in the sense of we look at KD and say what? Where can't he score from? Yeah. What can't he do? Mutant. I looked at Elena Deladon and said, fam, what can't she do? And then I looked at Brianna Stewart and I said, okay, now, guys, we have two of them. We have two of them who can do everything on the floor. Brianna Stewart hasn't played the last three or four games for the Aces or for the Storm due to a foot injury. I believe she will be ready for the postseason. And I will leave it at that. Currently, the Las Vegas Aces are trailing 70 to 67 with 740 to go in regulation. Diana Taurasi, the GOAT? The GOAT. The GOAT. GOAT, yeah. 100% the GOAT. GOAT. Not even question, right? I love the fact that they went through the WBA turn 25 this year. I love that they went through and asked some of the stars of today's game, who is the greatest player of all time? I don't know how many times you will ever find a league, maybe Jerry Rice, a league that is pretty unanimous. Nah, that's the one. That's the, or what, Tom Brady now? Like, that's, that's the GOAT. So I could see... Some people saying in every other sport some other names for various reasons. Diana Taurasi is pretty much universal in basketball circles as the greatest women's basketball player to ever live. Maya Moore was on her heels. I thought Maya Moore, if she would have continued her career, would have eventually passed her. As of right now, and probably for the foreseeable future, Diana Taurasi is going to be the GOAT what about of professional basketball. Talk to me. What about Al Deladon? Elena Deladon, health. That's what I'm going to go back to. She didn't play last year. Played in moments this year. I just don't want to look back at Elena Deladon's career and say she was a great player and then say that her career was cut short or mention a couple of years where she didn't play at all. That's the only thing I think that will kind of hang her up. But anybody who argues that she's the greatest of all time or one of the greatest of all time, I think it's kind of hard to argue that she's not one of the greatest of all time. But I think they have a, a case, obviously. But if Brianna Stewart comes in and stays healthy, I think she may take Elena Deladon's spot. But, I mean, you have people that are throwing Steph Curry in the top tens of all time and taking out some of the greatest point guards to ever live. So this happens. Spots get taken. Spots get shifted. This happens all the time. Um, I just I just wanted to kind of highlight that that I thought it was really interesting that as a league almost everybody looks at DT as the goat. 
Um, where are we at? Oh. So, the Raiders, or not the Raiders, <laughs> the Chargers and the Dallas Cowboys just started. CBS middle screen. This is our prime time screen here in the clubhouse. Chad Johnson tweeted going into this game, I believe it was this morning, that Dallas in L.A. is going to be a damn aerial assault, and I can't wait. And I'm pretty sure I'm quoting that tweet. I said I wasn't going to talk about UNLV football no more. Anymore today, at least. Salim, we'll see where you take it. Can you discuss Justin Herbert's elevation from Oregon to the NFL? Without mentioning Marcus Arroyo? No. Do what you got to do. Man, that man's throwing swing passes 30 times a game. No, talk about it. We want to hear your analysis. Talk about it. What's the, what, what's the difference that we're seeing in Justin Herbert now that we didn't see at Oregon? Because he had – Look, he I said he wasn't – I didn't know what he was going to be as a quarterback because of what I saw at Oregon. It's not just Arroyo. He definitely improved. I mean, he – he made some questionable decisions at Oregon. Like, even if it didn't result in a pick, like, he just did things, and I'm like, bro, what are you doing? But even then, his potential, it was a lot of it was blocked by having to throw screens and little swing passes all game. And, yeah, it worked. They won a lot. But, you know, for, for Justin, I mean, he lost out on a good amount of money. You think Marcus Arroyo would give it to him at the, on the back end of this contract? Well, I mean, he's got to give it to somebody. Too sexy for this. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I got some more basketball news for you. Celine, what you just said, clip that. Um, I got more basketball news. Wait a minute. What does my dad have? Before I get to that, my dad's sipping. I want to do my dad's sipping. Where are we at? Ah, here we go. So, my dad's tip-in is something that we did last night. We talked about last night. Shout-out to Mike Hughes. Shout-out to Caprice. Shout-out to the OD. Shout-out to everything OD. We recorded episode 45 of the OD podcast last night. Salim, what does the title Main Character Syndrome mean to you? Dude, here's (laughs) the thing with that whole main character thing. Everybody should be the main character of their own lives. You are the main character. Like, what are we talking about? But if you're the main character in your own life, what does that make everybody else? Extras. They're role. They're role players, right? Yeah. So we were talking last night about I'm during the, the podcast, or yesterday, about doing the podcast and or why we were doing it, about people doing their job, essentially. So when you listen to the podcast, you'll kind of figure out why we kind of got there. Uh, I think Mike said that, which is why we ended up titling that. But a lot of people are out here in the world not doing their jobs. Yeah. This kind of alludes me to the tip-in. Because there are some people that are doing their jobs and doing it pretty well. Let's allude to it. Me and Mike Hughes was sitting right here yesterday along with Caprice watching these screens here in the clubhouse. And we watched Florida State lose its third consecutive game to open 2021. And I've told you this before. My dad is a supreme Seminole fan. So let's hear my guy rant. You ready? I, I, I want to hear it. I can't wait for this. When a college or professional sports team is floundering and can't find its way, of course the finger is pointed in a lot of directions. But the buck usually stops at the coach. 
Should I say that again? Coming off of the conversation Talk we just had. It. The buck usually stops with the coach. It's especially tough when legendary coaches have set a standard that is expected every oh, excuse me, that is expected every season, and that's winning. Anything less than winning is unacceptable. Such is the case of the Florida State Seminoles football team. I know that I'm speaking from a longtime Seminole fan's perspective. But with the rich tradition of coaching that we're accustomed to and a recent revolving door of coaches with unsatisfactory results, now I'm pretty sure you can see what's next. I know that the biggest knock on this man is that he needs a little more seasoning before he's thrown into the fire. But I would love to see one of Florida State's most famous alumni. We, we had this discussion before, too. Alumnus, alum, and alumni are all different. And I think Dion would technically be alumnus, I think. I think it's alumnus. Most famous, most famous alumnus to take over the reins of his alma mater. Neon Dion, prime time or coach, whatever you call him, we know who he is. My dad wants to know what we think about it. Haven't I said, Celine, for the last two years that Deion Sanders and his son will be at Jackson State until his son's senior year, and they'll both be at Florida State? I stand by that. We need to go clip that from when I said it two years ago. I don't even know where to find it. Like, I don't even know where to find it, but that it's like... That would be difficult to find. That, that would be hard to find. But if you can, shit, I mean... Now, legendary. Hey... Now, while Florida State is 0-3, Jackson State is without a loss. That wasn't Dion's, that wasn't the story through Dion's first couple of weeks, his first year. So already in two years, you could say without a question, the culture has changed. Without question, the culture has changed in Jackson State. Absolutely. Florida State is in need of a culture shock. Without question. Florida State hasn't been good since when? Who was first, Jameis Winston or Christian Ponder? Christian Ponder, right? Christian Ponder was first. Up it hasn't been good since Jameis Winston and Kelvin Benjamin. That must have been one hell of a locker room with those two. Almost ended the show early. That, that's how we feel about it, man. We talked about this for quite some time, Dad. You should know better than anybody. I think Deion Sanders is the one guy that you could throw in the fire in anything. I've told people this for the longest. I truthfully have felt like since I was a kid that my spirit animal is primetime. I've told you that. Primetime's a legend. I think my spirit animal is primetime. Because that level of arrogance is what I believe that you need to be successful. Now, Dion is Dion. You can say Dion's shoes are ugly and he'll get competitive and he'll talk about you. Whatever the case may be. I do think when I say his level of arrogance is needed to be great, Go tell Dion that he couldn't return punts. Go tell Dion that there was no Dion Island. Go tell Dion that there was not times that he would let the receiver get the one up on him just so he can catch up. Dion would laugh. So I think anybody that's looking at Dion like, is he ready to coach in the ACC? I think Dion would laugh. Not only, I'm going to go out on a limb. Not only will Dion be in Florida State next year, yeah. I think he wins in Florida State next year. I think he wins at Florida State next year. 
Not talking about a, 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 a college football playoff appearance. But I do think they look a lot different than 0-3 through the first three weeks. I'm with you there. I mean, I don't know. Florida State, they're not going. I don't think they're going 0-3 again. Not if he's there. Not if he's there. I think you get people that transfer even in. If, uh, now, if you got a call from Clemson, probably nothing's changing that. But if I have a call from North Carolina, and if I'm – tell me if I'm wrong, but can you look up his name? I think it's Sam Howe. That's the quarterback from uh, North Carolina, I believe. Sam Howe has been up and down so far to start this year. If I have a, a scholarship to uh, North Carolina and I was contemplating Florida State and Dion goes there next year, I don't give a damn who I, who I committed to in that ACC outside of Clemson. I'm following Dion. I'm with you there. Now, we know how college athletics is. When, when coaches go to programs, they bring students with them. And usually when coaches leave programs, students leave with them. So I think – Follow the money. Yeah. So I think that what I just said makes a little more sense only because that speaks to the culture change. That speaks to the culture change in Florida State because I do think they would get a lot more commits – simply because of the name. Let's be honest. We got a lot more com commits here at UNLV because of the Fertitta football complex. And then when they close the deal to play in Allegiant Stadium, we got a host of commits that week. That week. So we know what happens in college sports, right? We understand. So while we're doing that, I want to update you guys on some basketball news. We'll update you guys on football news as it happens. It's kind of similar to this. Tony Pollard just found the end zone for Dallas. They're on the board first in SoFi Stadium. They're up 7-0 uh, on the uh, L.A. Chargers, 8-09 to go in the first quarter. Another three was just made by the Phoenix Mercury. They're now up 83-75. to Looking like the Aces will end their 2021 regular season with the loss. But they will head into the postseason as a number two overall seed. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do this. I'm going to have fun with it. Salim, have you been in Legion yet? I haven't. We're going to a UNLV game by the end of the year. So figure out which game you're going to and tell me. Um, Did they play Boise State at home? I don't know. You would have to look that look up. up. Look that up for me. Um, Damn, that's a good question. I thought I had it written down, too. Um, So... Uh, I didn't want to say it too much, but I don't mind saying it sometimes. It's, it's, it's even fun to say it. I've told you guys. By the way, Tyler did not know that my cousin was Tim Brown until Wednesday. What did he say when he found out? He asked me, was I serious? Like, he told me, like, he wasn't joking. Was, was I serious? I said, yeah. And we were recording live, and he said, I'm going to be honest. I did not know that until just now. <laughs> and he was like, that's awesome. And I was like, yeah, man. Like, I could have swore. Like, that's why I kind of go about the business, the way that I do, because most people expect Tim to kind of be a part of everything that I do. I texted him this morning, as a matter of fact. It's not the way it works. No, I mean, Tim is actually, Tim actually has a deal with Sirius XM, in that, case you guys are wondering. That I did not know. That's interesting. So Tim, Tim Brown actually has a deal with Sirius XM, so he discusses football. So you guys know how contracts work. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Shout out to my cousin Tim. 
Um, Shout out to Tim Brown. You did. And anytime I see an 81 jersey in this city, I just smile. Maybe I should start signing them. Maybe I should do it, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe I think I should be the one to sign them. Um, in all seriousness, I'll give you guys a little glimpse into my weird brain. I did want to frame Tim Brown jersey, and I wanted to put it up every time we record, just because. Um, in all seriousness, I have those ties to the Raiders, right? We talk about how our family is USC through and through. Tim's Heisman was won when he was at Notre Dame. So we give him hell about Notre Dame, of course, just because. But him being Mr. Raider has essentially made our family forever tied to the Raiders. So I say that to say I walked inside of Allegiant Stadium. I did it yesterday for the first time. I called my brother. Uh, I told you guys after week one, I went to the field. And I called my brother, and he saw only green. My brother's a Raider fan, a diehard Raider fan. Hasn't been to Allegiant yet. I showed him the field. And I went down and I touched the end zone. And I told him I just wanted to show him that it was real. He got excited. He got pumped. Of course, you can't beat that, right? I show up early to the game yesterday. I'm walking around on the phone with my brother. And I go to the Al Davis Memorial Torch. I put my hand on it. We take some pictures. I let my brother see it. He has his moment. <sighs> Sorry, Tim, if you're listening. Anybody who knows me knows that I am an Inglewood, California native. That was my long-winded way of saying Allegiant Stadium is amazing to see. I can't wait to step foot in SoFi Stadium. I cannot wait. It's going to be nice, man. Considering what they got rid of for SoFi Stadium, and you guys know I will forever say long live Hollywood Park. Yes, shout out to the ponies. We are about a minute away from the end of this game in Phoenix, and the Aces have made it close. 83 to 80 with a minute and 11 left. Asia Wilson obviously hasn't been playing too much tonight, trying to stay away from injury as Liz Cambage works her way back into things for the, uh, for the Aces after missing the last four games due to being in COVID protocol. So, SoFi Stadium, I'm telling you, man, when I went home, I didn't even step in inside of SoFi Stadium. I walked by it. It's got to be like a special feeling, man. It looks like a museum. It looks like a museum. Oh, man. It looks really weird. I don't even know how to get in, like where to park. I don't know. Um, and NFL Network, NFL Studios, is there now. So now NFL Network shoots from across the street of SoFi Stadium. Looking like it's an interception for Trayvon Diggs. If that's the case, the Chargers are headed off the field. A little over a, a minute after they came onto the field, Dallas has a chance to go up 14 if this call stands. It's looking like a clean pick by Trayvon Diggs. But, Salim, we're going to end this show, as I said before, with basketball. So I know people are probably listening to this saying, you've, you've been talking about so far for the last eight minutes. How are you going to end this with basketball? Tell them how we're going to end it. I know how we're going to end it. Because I want to apologize. Because, Salim, you were right there with me. And I love the fact that you and Alex kind of just let me rant. When it's time for me to rant. I was very upset when the Los Angeles Clipper owner Steve Ballmer purchased the Great Western Form, which is now just the form in Inglewood. 
I didn't like that move because, first of all, I like the business move. That's a business move. Great. Pad your pockets. My only argument to Steve Ballmer was, I hope you don't think you're going to take your team there. My argument for that was because if you're leaving the Staples Center to get out of the Clippers or get out of the Lakers' shadow, why would you go play with their ghosts? Steve Ballmer said he wasn't going to play in the, in the forum. I said, the hell he ain't going to play in the forum. Where else is he going to play? The answer to that is the Intuit Dome. Because this week, the Clippers broke ground on their new stadium, which is going to be across the street, or not even across the street, across the way. Across the way from SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California, essentially creating another LA Live number two. It's Inglewood Live. I love it. I can't wait to be there. My dad said he can't wait for like a Sunday night. And I told my dad, I said, here's the interesting part while we get to the Clippers. Salim, get this. Vegas just got excited when they had the Aces play Monday morning. And then they had the Raiders play Monday night. I told my dad, Vegas is getting used to being a sports town in that aspect. I told my dad, LA is far past that. I told my dad, what happens? October, Dodgers are in the postseason. They have a game Friday. You got USC and UCLA on Saturday. You got the Clippers Saturday night. And then Saturday morning, you got the Rams or the Chargers in SoFi. And Sunday night, you got the Lakers. I told my dad, I don't think L.A. or Southern California realizes what's going to happen. Yeah. L.A. has changed drastically in the four years since I've been gone. Drastically. I can't wait to go back. <laughs> That's where I'm it's at. It's a nice it. feeling, like, going back and just seeing how everything's kind of, like, changed. Some for the better, some for the worse. Um, let's talk about them breaking ground on this. They break ground on the, the Intuit Dome. Uh, viral videos of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George go everywhere. I do want to say that Kawhi Leonard's hoodie, uh, Clip Gang or Don't Bang, is amazing. And I love the fact that, as I said before, I say that about everything. Like, either I say talk that talk media, talk that talk gang or don't bang. Like, I say everything. OD gang or don't bang. All of that. That's a California thing. Southern California specifically. Actually, maybe not, because the North, they, 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 they get it rocking too. So, to see Kawhi Leonard put that on a hoodie and Kawhi doesn't talk, I don't think, I don't know who ever hear Kawhi say clip gang or don't bang. No. I don't think those <laughs> words are ever going to come from his mouth. But the simple fact that, and we got an interception going back the other way, it is an aerial assault. Chad Johnson was right. But it's looking like the Chargers will get the ball back after a Dak Prescott interception. So, aside from the hoodie, we're getting to some serious conversation here a little bit about this. This move is huge. This move, this move is huge for the Clippers. And like I just said before, it's across the way from SoFi, so it's going to be walking distance from SoFi Stadium. So the Clippers Stadium, I mean Clippers Arena, is yeah. going to be walking distance from SoFi? Absolutely. It's going to share the same uh, 
it's going to be it's almost like LA Live. Have you been to LA Live? No. You haven't been to LA? I was in LA. You was in LA. How many times have you been to LA? What happened? How many times have you been to LA? Once. Once. Only once. Okay, cool. So you haven't been to LA Live. LA Live is where the Nokia Theater is. Uh, the convention center isn't too far from it. The Staples Center is over there. Um, it's all connected, right? Shout out to Manifest. So they're creating. <laughs> yeah, <just> got that. <laughs> yeah. So they're creating. Love that show. A. What's the word I'm looking for? They're creating a. An experience, an overall experience. In Inglewood now. I told my dad the energy level for the Clippers' first season in the Intuit Dome is going to be unbelievable. It's going to be magnificent. I told my dad, no disrespect, but Allegiant Stadium here. I know fans at UNLV that were geeked about it. They don't care anymore. Because their team isn't winning in it. Now, I say all of that to say that I expect the Clipper Stadium, to the Intuit Dome, the Clipper Arena, rather, to be the hot spot. Probably two years. Remember how much talk everybody did about the Golden State Warriors in the Chase Center? They played there all last year, too. Nobody cares if you're not winning. So I think the excitement is going to build for this first year, maybe first two years. And then I think unless something changes, I think people are going to look around that arena. They're not going to see any jerseys retired. They're not going to see any championship, any championship banners. And I think people are going to look and say, you know, the Staples Center is still purple and gold, right? I don't know what the Clippers can do. I don't think the Clippers can ever do anything to not make L.A. a, a Laker town. I've been there when the Clippers were winning. It was almost more pur purple and gold then when <laughs> the Clippers were winning. <laughs> I'm serious. I believe you. That's the messed up thing. People are wearing Devin George jerseys just to say he got more rings than your franchise. That's cool. Tell me how Phoenix in the second round is going to treat you. Like, that, Laker fans then were relentless. I think the Clippers are going to have the city rocking for 365 days. And then I think everybody's going to look around and say, cool, now that that excitement is over, let's go see Bron. That arena is going to be – It's going to be amazing. It's not this season, right? No. I think it's a couple seasons, couple right? Seasons. We can look, look, we can look it up. And yeah, we can end the show with that. But I'm assuming it's at least two years out, right? That's what I would think. The only time that I've ever seen a stadium get built extremely fast, and he's probably gonna think I'm kissing ass right now. But shout out to Donnie Baseball. I have never seen a ballpark or a stadium or an arena go up that quickly. Las Vegas ballpark. They announced it. They broke ground. It was up. <laughs> I was like, fam, how long did y'all work on this? Did y'all work 20 hours a day? Like, how did, how did this happen? And Kelsey Plum missed the layup as time was running down in this, in this game in Phoenix, only to have Chelsea Gray, and I'll do what I want to be wrong. I believe that was Chelsea Gray that I saw with the putback. Salim, do me a favor and look at that screen for me. 
The oh. Aces are riding high into the postseason after squeaking away with an 84-83 win over the Phoenix Mercury. Kelsey Plum, 23 points, led the team in scoring on 9 of 18 shooting. Sam Gordon has said it. Jackie Young has said it. Bill Lambert has said it. Asia Wilson has said it. Everybody has said it. Kelsey Plum is more than likely headed towards two postseason awards. Post Two postseason individual awards. The sixth woman of the year and the most improved. Maybe a finals MVP. From your lips to God's ears. And on that note. I wish you would have told me I would have had it queued up already. <laughs> Salim is absolutely right. That, Playoffs yeah. start on um, Thursday. Playoffs start on Thursday. Aces are playing their best basketball. Liz Cambage is back from COVID protocol. The time is now, right? Absolutely. I think now is I think now is the time. We did two hours. Week two from the clubhouse at the gate. Until next time, guys. Keep on talking. <laughs>